where we left off on uh, last Wednesday. There's a lot here that we've repeated many times, and I don't apologize for that. I'm not saying we won't go back and repeat some of it again because I think it's important that we connect these things together. But I think it was three weeks ago, the Lord kind of showed it to me this way. We've got three related subjects that we're kind of pushing this one, and then we'll push that one forward, then we'll move that one forward, then we'll come back and move this one and move. And we're trying to move them all together rather than just preaching this one for a while, preaching that one for a while, preaching that one for a while. And um, so anyway, let's begin at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and uh, in verse number 12. It says, uh, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. And last week we said, might know, the, the variableness is not on God's side. Uh, he, he made it so that you would be able to know. But just because he made it so that you'd be able to know, that doesn't mean that everybody's going to know because there's a part that we have to play in this. Amen? And the word know here literally means to see or to see with perception. So you can see things without necessarily seeing them with your physical eyes. See them by faith. We looked at the verse where the Bible says we don't look at the things that are seen, but at the things which are unseen. And we see those unseen things by faith. But once again now, Abraham is our example in this. Remember, anything that you're going to learn about faith, you can go back to the life of Abraham and see an example of it. He is the example, the the. As, as far as this life is concerned, um, you know, he, he lived and walked with God long before the new covenant. Uh, but he had the new covenant explained to him by God. And he believed it before any of it ever came to pass even. Uh, but even to this day, he is the example that Father God holds up in Scripture for us to look at and learn from and understand. And when it comes to seeing and seeing with perception... Abraham is our example. The scriptures tell us in Hebrews 11 that before he ever placed Isaac on the altar to sacrifice him, that, that Abraham received him from the dead in a figure. In other words, he had already, by faith, seen the resurrection of Isaac before he laid him on that altar in obedience to God to sacrifice him. And even if you look at how he talked about that situation leading up to it, he told Sarah, me and the boy are going and we will return. He, he, he was calling things that be not as, as though they were. Again, that's faith, and we see it on display in Abraham's life. The other part that I want to bring up tonight as we move forward is that we also see in Abraham's life his efforts to try and produce the results um, that God promised him by the flesh. And when he 
know, obviously Sarah agreed to it. I, I believe it was probably Sarah's idea. I don't know about that, but, you know, for Abraham to have a child with her maidservant, Hagar. And, of course, through that union, Ishmael um, was, was born, and, and there's a lot, obviously, that's still going on today because of that. And um, the, the reason I bring it up is not to try to teach exhaustively about that, but we see in Abraham's case, he tried to produce something spiritual through physical and fleshly means and effort. And that's not how this works. It's not how any of this works. And I think in a lot of ways, we, we find ourselves in that same position sometimes where we're trying to figure out how through some work or effort of the flesh to produce the spiritual results and, and things in our lives. And, and this goes back to what we talked about you know, I gave you the example of my grandfather and, and how God's power touched him and healed him. Um, but my grandfather, you know, he, <laughs> he didn't get saved until um, a few years after that. I mean, it, and so certainly, you know, the, the mercy of God, the goodness of God, the, the, the prayers of, of, of my mother and, and others, um, and God, you know, just doing that in his life. But that's not the same as walking with God and, and learning from God and, and knowing how to uh, you know, do things God's way and experience God's results. And we often try to... Sub- Jesus said it this way. He said, the, he said, the flesh profits nothing, but the Spirit gives life. And when we try to take the principles of God and turn them into some type of formula. And we talk about this comprehensive approach to receiving from God, and certainly we see, and in the days ahead, early into 2023, we're going to get to this part about the words of our mouths and, and um, by faith, you know, salvation, conf- sal- confession is made into salvation and with the mouth and the words that we speak. But if we're not careful we learn a little bit about the power of words and then that becomes our, you know, okay, well, I'm just going through my effort of saying this and saying that and saying this a thousand times and I'm going I'm to make it happen. That's, that's, again, words are important, but you can't produce with fleshly efforts what can only be produced through faith and in, this, in the Spirit of God, okay? So he says that we have received have received the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. And I hope this verse means as much to you as it it means to me because this verse confirms what we see in a lot of other verses in the Bible, but it just says it so plainly here that we've been given things that we don't even know we have, that things belong to us as children of God that that we may not even be aware are ours and that we've become things through the new birth we call these things new birth realities we've become free we've become righteous we've become one with God we've become prosperous and successful and victorious 
We've become things. We've been given things, all things that pertain to life and godliness, blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And that's true of every child of God, whether they know it yet or not. And, and that, that to me is, um, well, we're leading up to some things, but that to me is such a, an important thing for us to understand. So he says that he's given us these things and he's given us the spirit who is from God that we might know or that we might see, that we might perceive with perception these things. Okay, so here, I'm not sure how much of this, and I didn't have opportunity today or take opportunity today to listen to the last Wednesday night sermon, but anyway, if this is repetitious, just bear with me, okay? According to the Word of God, is it possible for you to be given something or to become something that you're not aware of having or being? And, and the answer is absolutely yes. Okay, so according to the Word of God, can you be free and still live as a slave? Yeah. Galatians uh, 4.1. Can you be given rest but still live in anxiety and stress? Yes. Can you be healed and still experience symptoms of sickness? Again, yes. Can you be righteous but continue to live like someone who is not? And again, the answer is yes. Can you be perfect and still have a lot of growing and changing to do? Yes, Hebrews 10, 14. Can you be an insider who continues to live like an outsider? Can you be sons of God? Can you be a son of God and continue to live like someone who doesn't know him? And again, Ephesians spells all that out for us. Can you have the things you need and the answers you're looking for and continue to live in lack and confusion? And again, the answer is yes. So, we see in John 8 where he says, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I know we go to that verse a lot, but that's a verse that really just so plainly spells this out. It's true, if, he, if the Son makes you righteous, you shall be righteous, you shall live righteously. In other words, he's talking about this inward reality of freedom that must work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He's not talking about you cutting your own deal with God. He's talking about what's inside of you working its way to the outward part of you and you experiencing and enjoying and expressing these things in your, your outward reality. And so we've, we've talked about this three dimensions, spirit, soul, and body, inward realities becoming outward expressions. I'm not going to try to go back through all of that. If you're new to this study online, um, all those sermons are in the archives. You feel free, please, to go back and... Um, and, and look at all those. But I know that you have, but I want you, and the Holy Spirit's going to help us, consider what this verse is saying. Again, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. I'll put it back on the screen. All right. Consider what this verse is saying. Things you've been given that you don't know you have. See, one-dimensional thinking says that's impossible. One-dimensional thinking says, if I have it, then I know I have it. And if I don't know I have it, then I don't have it. You've, you've got to get past that if you're, if you're going to understand how it is to receive from God. Because remember, God is a spirit, and he easily conveys things from himself, spirit, to you. You are a spirit, okay? But then it becomes a matter of what you receive in your spirit 
becoming an outward expression of life. In other words, you experiencing and enjoying those things in your life reality right now. With these things in mind, I want us to go back to a familiar verse. And this is Mark chapter 11, verse 24. This is what the Master taught us. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. The English Standard Version gives us a little more clarity. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. The God's Word translation, that's why I tell you to have faith that you have already received whatever you pray for, and it will be yours. So think about it. Why is it necessary to believe you have received? Should it not be obvious? Are you seeing this now? Should it not be obvious if you've received? In other words, he's saying believe that you have received and and it will be yours. Well, this thinking goes back to the visual confirmation connected with the one-dimensional approach to receiving from God. He says, believe you have already received. Believe you've already received when there's no evidence other than faith that, that anything's changed. Believe that you've already received when there's more physical evidence to say you haven't received than there is physical evidence that says you have. Now, this is what I want to kind of zero in on in the time we have remaining tonight. I believe that this one statement, believe you have already received, I believe this one statement represents the biggest hurdle for those learning to walk in and receive by faith. Jesus said, whatever you ask for, believe you have already received it, and it shall be yours. A one-dimensional approach to receiving has conditioned us. Now, let's, let's work through this. A one-dimensional approach to receiving has conditioned us to only believe we have received after we hold the desire in our hands and not a moment before. That's what we're familiar with. That's the system that we've been conditioned by. And so... This one-dimensional approach, meaning a flesh-first, flesh-only approach to receiving. You ask somebody for something in expectation, in hope that they will give it to you. And once you hold it in your hand, you believe that you received it, right? That's a one-dimensional approach. But that is not the three-dimensional approach, the three-dimensional pattern that we have in the Scripture. So again, a one-dimensional approach to receiving has conditioned us to only believe we received after we hold the desire in our hands and not before. So because we've been conditioned to think this way, it automatically puts us out of sync with the, with the uh, uh, process, the established pattern that we've been talking about now for weeks in the Scriptures. In the Scriptures, it's different. You believe you've received it before you hold it in your hands, not after. This incorrect mindset towards receiving from God removes true faith and hope from the process, replacing them with supposition. I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about supposition. We mentioned it uh, last week and week before. I want to to kind of zero in on this for a moment. This incorrect mindset, when we talk about our attitude or our mindset, okay, remember one of the definitions for attitude involves um, uh, aviation, 
The attitude of an airplane is the position of that airplane in relationship to uh, in, uh, the, the airplane in the air in relationship to a fixed position on the earth. Okay, that's the attitude of the airplane, and 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 we hear this. It's it's tragic where where uh, pilots who uh, do not know how to fly by their instruments. In other words, they are they they are only rated to fly a plane as long as they can see the ground beneath them. But then if they get in clouds or dense fog and they can't see any landmark to orient themselves, they don't know how to fly by the instruments, it's very quickly the attitude of the plane, they can be flying upside down and not realize it. Um, my, my dad ha- had a friend that, that had a plane, and, and that's, it's, fog rolled in on him. He, he you know, was panicking. The, guy, the passenger with him was panicking. And, uh, and he had a, uh, a necklace. I think it had like either a gold coin or something you know, like a gold chain with, a, with a, some type of medallion or pendant on it. He took it off and put it, you know, hung it from the airplane and, and was able to use that as a, as a rudimentary instrument to level out the plane. And the minute he hung that thing on there, I think it, if I remember correctly, it, it swung up and hit the windshield of the airplane. Was, they were flying towards the ground and didn't realize it. So when we talk about the, the attitude of, of the airplane, as, and, and so if we take that same uh, understanding of attitude and apply it to our attitude towards receiving from God. In other words, how, how we think about this, our mindset and our attitude towards this. this. This one simple error in thinking about how to receive from God is where a lot of people fail before they even get started. So I'm going to say it again, and I I really think the Holy Spirit spoke this to me uh, last week, that the biggest hurdle for those learning to walk in and receive by faith is believing you've already received, believing you've received it, not based upon what you hold in your hand, but based upon what God has said. Faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Faith based upon God's Word. God's Word based upon God's thoughts, desires, and actions. God's thoughts, desires, and actions based upon His nature, character, and ability. Amen ultimately based upon him. So the incorrect mindset toward receiving from God, what does it do? It removes true faith and hope from the process. And it replaces them with supposition. Now, just so you know, I haven't pulled this word supposition out of the air. Let's look at it in James chapter 1 for a moment. James chapter 1, verses 6, 7, and 8. It says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and stable in all of his ways. There are a lot of God's people who think they're in faith and they're not. They're in something that smells a little bit like faith. It feels a lot like faith. In, in, their, in, in their carnal mind and their flesh, um, they're, they're just about, you know, want to fight you because, you know, they're in faith and that's their, they're, they're convinced by it. But they're not in faith. They're in supposition. They're supposing. Supposing is not the same as believing you have already received. So it's supposition that becomes the... The, the thing that Satan tries to uh, insert into our attitude, into our mindset, 
when it comes to faith. And so we think, you know, we're, we think we're in faith and we're, you know, doing what we got to do to receive from God when really and truly we are in supposition instead of in faith. And so I want to talk to you again a little more about that. Stay with me, okay? So let me go back to it. A one-dimensional approach to receiving has conditioned us to only believe we have received after we hold the desire in our hands and not before, right? So this, this, this locks a person into an incorrect mindset. This is why people who don't understand a three-dimensional approach to receiving from God says to someone who's still experiencing symptoms that, that, that confesses they're healed, right? Someone who doesn't understand this says, you're lying, you're lying. You're not healed. You're, you're still sick. Your nose is still running. You're this, you're that. You're not healed. See, and you, no, no, I'm healed. I, I mean, see, somebody who doesn't understand this, they're locked into this, this idea that, you know, until the symptoms are gone, you haven't received healing. But that's not how the Bible teaches it. It's not how Abraham uh, lived it out. I want to talk about Abraham tonight. I've got a lot of things I want to talk about. Let me stay focused here, okay? So it's an incorrect mindset towards receiving from God. And so because it's a wrong mindset, it prevents us from actually operating in true faith and hope and instead opens the door wide open for supposition. So let's talk about what supposition is. First of all, supposition is neither faith nor hope, but appeals to the flesh and carnal mind as both in one. Now, I'm going to explain this to you. Just stay with me for a minute. Supposition, this may be an odd way of saying it, supposition seems to scratch both the faith itch and the hope itch at the same time. It seems to, it seems to be like a shortcut, right? So supposition, though, here's the problem with supposition. Supposition is based upon opinion and the probability of a favorable outcome. So the higher the odds of something working out in your favor, the greater the supposition. But see, when we're thinking we're in faith, but we're not, we're really in supposition, when the odds increase, it gives us this false sense of our faith just increased. Because, you know, now there's an there's a 89% chance of this working out in our favor, and, and supposition is based upon probability. Now all of a sudden we think, man, I got this, I got this burst of faith. Look at me, I'm this, I'm this powerful faith person. But see, faith doesn't rise and fall with, with chances and odds and probability. Supposition does. Supposition does. So this is a different way of saying this. Supposition is a failed attempt at a faith-hope hybrid. Supposition tends to take parts and pieces of what faith and belief is and parts and pieces of what hope and expectation is and kind of blends them together in, in this. Again, supposition is something we can do with our own minds and our own flesh and leave faith and God and the Spirit out of it. This might be the best way to say it yet, okay? Supposition is a belief based upon an uncertain expectation. Supposition is a belief, so it, it kind of sort of scratches that faith itch. It, it's kind of sort of, you know, feels the, 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 the space that faith is designed to feel in this whole process. 
And then it's based upon an uncertain expectation. But remember, hope involves expectation, right? So supposition is a belief based upon an uncertain expectation. An uncertain expectation. So watch this, okay? She's supposed to be here at 1 p.m. today. She's supposed to be here at 1 p.m. today. At what point will you be certain of her 1 p.m. arrival? You will not be certain of her 1 p.m. arrival until she's there at 1 p.m. Are you seeing this? That's supposition. Now, if, if whoever she is, right, <laughs> if, if she's normally always on time, then you have a pretty high expectation of her being there at 1. But, you know, I mean, there are other factors. I mean, traffic, she could, you know, have to stop, get gas, or, or what have you. There's other things that could prevent her. But she's supposed to be here at 1 today. What time is she going to be here today? She's supposed to be here at 1. Okay. But you are not certain. You're seeing this. Until she's there at 1, you've got high hopes. You're believing she's going to be there. You're expecting her to be there, but you are not fully persuaded. You are not convinced that she's going to be there at one until she actually shows up. So do you see how, do you see how it, it puts what faith really, faith is believing you've already received. Faith is believing she's already there before she gets up that morning. You see, that, that's how faith works. Faith believes it's already done before anything happens. It's certain of that. So when you think you're in faith but aren't, you are more than likely in supposition. All right, so now watch this. I want you to compare these two statements. A belief based upon an uncertain expectation, that's supposition. Compare that to a confident expectation based upon a fully convinced belief. Do you see how they reverse there? Remember, what, what is hope based upon? Anybody remember? Hope's based upon faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the basis for which our confident and joyful expectation rests. Genuine faith supports true, joyful, and confident expectation, which sustains us during our time of endurance before we actually hold whatever it is we've asked for in our hands. Yes? Y'all remember that? I, I think you do. I don't mean to go through that so quickly. All right. Okay. So... What is happening to so many people? And we started this talking about restoring precision. You might remember this, restoring precision, precision to faith, hope, and love. See, precision matters. To a lot of people, it doesn't. To a lot of people, they think, oh, you know, I'm just hoping and believing. I'm praying and believing. I'm, I'm this and I'm that. You know. Again, we, we, we've, got these, we've got these words and the terminology and even the pieces of the puzzle, but we've got them in the wrong place. We, um, I, I, it started years ago, but one of the things that we do at youth camp is we work a puzzle. I, it's just fun. I don't know. We, everybody's around the table and putting it together, working together, team project, what, what have you, you know. And um, you can always tell, uh, those of you guys that have been to camp, you can always tell the maturity level of, of, of the campers, right, based upon who hides a piece in their room so they can be the one to put the last piece in, you know. Um, but last year, I, I went, Pops remember this. I, last year, I, I, I got a big, was it 2,000, how many pieces, Pops? It was a big one. It was the biggest puzzle we've ever done. 
And I just, it just looked cool. I just thought it would be fun to do. Well, you know, like when you put a puzzle together, obviously you want to get the border, right? I mean, now we got something to work with, okay? Well, I don't know who it was because a lot of hands, you know, in, in the, in the uh, pudding, but um, somebody got the, like, they janked up the border. I mean, they had pieces in spots all confused. And it, they looked like they fit, but they didn't quite fit. But see, because the border was off now, everything we were trying to put in that border wasn't working out. <coughs> Excuse me. Thank you, Jesus. And so it, it threw everything else off that, that went in there. And we kept trying. It's like, man, this ain't, something's not right here. We're missing, we're missing a piece. We thought we were missing pieces. We weren't missing pieces. We had the pieces. We just had them in the wrong place. Okay? Let me turn this off and give it a cough right quick. I believe that I have received healing. And so is my darling bride. Amen. Praise God. All right. So, hope is certainly a part of the comprehensive approach to receiving from God. But so many people are putting hope in a place it doesn't, it doesn't fit. And we're skipping over <clears throat> the part that hope rests upon. Believing you've already received is what provides the substance that for which a confident and joyful expectation rests upon. So let's go back over it one more time. Supposition is a belief based upon an uncertain expectation. She's supposed to be here at one. <clears throat> Fully convinced doesn't come until she arrives. See, here, here's another way, and I think we said this before. Asking God for healing and then using how you feel to decide whether you received anything or not. You see, do you see how that's... I asked, I'm, ex, I'm expecting to receive. I'm, 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 I'm hoping that I will feel better. I'm hoping that these symptoms will leave. But I won't fully believe it until they're gone. You see, that supposition. She's supposed to be here at one. She's supposed to be here at one. But I'll believe it when she's here. See, now, if, 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 if whoever she is, is is late more than she's on time, she's, she'll say it this way. Well, she's supposed to be here at one, but, you know, I wouldn't start putting my shoes on until about 1.15. But see, even then, the, the confident... The, 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 the full persuasion. Amen. <clears throat> so let's, uh, let's do this one last little part. And unless the Lord just tells me absolutely not, this is where we're going to be next week. I've been trying to get here for three weeks. Hebrews 11, 1. It says, now faith is the substance. I'm sorry, now faith is the assurance. This is the Amplified. Let me give you the King, New King James Version first. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
The Amplified certainly amplifies this one. Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Conviction of the reality of something you can't see. Are you you following this? Okay. It's the conviction of the reality of something you can't see. Faith perceiving. Remember that we might see. Seeing with perception. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Meaning you can't see it yet. But it couldn't be any more real to you. See that? Fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. Fully convinced is another uh, expression that we see, another translation in Romans 4. Fully persuaded, fully convinced. And based upon that full persuasion, based upon that. So that's not supposition now. We're not supposing it's going to work out. Amen. All right, stand with me. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. <clears throat> Father, I, I, um, I believe that you are doing some uh, fine-tuning uh, in our hearts and our, our, our thinking, the renewing of our minds. Father, showing us where our mindsets and attitudes towards these things have been um, off or are loose or sloppy or out of order. And, Lord, times in our lives where we've really felt like we were in faith but, but weren't in faith at all, just in supposition. And you said, let not that man suppose he'll receive anything. And so, Father, I think, Lord, this is how I see it, and I'm, I'm just saying this. Uh, to you and in front of those that are listening to me tonight, you're, you're wanting us to see what it really is so that, that we'll know what we need you to help us with and that we would stop thinking that faith is some formula that we can work apart from you and your word and the Holy Spirit and that we would quit trying to produce spiritual things with physical effort or flesh-only effort. And Father, it goes back to something you taught us a couple of years ago. All of your ways are designed to teach us to trust you. And you can only take us as far as our trust in you will allow. And so teach us your ways, Father. Teach us how to believe we've already received something that we haven't seen yet with our physical eyes. How to see it. How to see it. How to know it by your spirit and by your word. So confident, Father, that we talk about it as if it's already done. We get excited about it, Lord, as if it was already in our driveway or in our bank account or or own our property, or or, or whatever, Father. And that level of 
confident and joyful expectation would sustain us through whatever efforts the enemy would try to use to keep us from reaching the full measure of what it is that you have for us as your children. And we pray these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Thank you so much for being here uh, tonight. I know these days between Christmas and New Year can be busy and, and vacations and all that stuff. So thank you for being here. Happy New Year to you and to your family. Look forward to celebrating together as a family of faith on Sunday morning. Amen.